Hey everyone, Gene here. Just a couple things about this episode. First of all, you'll hear a little more background noise than normal. Uh, Jeff and I recorded this right before our monthly D&D, that would be Dungeons & Dragons game. Now, normally we would be perfectly fine doing this because no one is ever on time for these, you know, except me, and it's at Jeff's house, so we figured if I get there a little early, then we can record no problem. Well, for the first time in recorded history, everyone was either early or on time. So you're going to hear our friends Frank, Nero, and I think maybe a grunt from Rob. Uh, he was actually the polite one and didn't speak. Also, you'll hear a reference to Jif's Rowdy Roddy Piper Cup. Well, this episode was recorded before Mr. Piper's untimely death. Now, both Jif and I and Frank and Nero and Rob all grew up watching WWF. And yes, I'm calling it WWF. And we loved Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was the villain. So, Jeff and I discussed this, and we would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Mr. Piper. Well, enough of the preamble, and now let's get on with the show. Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar. Greetings and welcome back to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. I am Gene Hendricks, and with me as always is one of my best buddies, Mr. Jeff Fishman. How are you? Xenomorphs! And if you don't get that, go back to the last episode of Comic Book Fight Club. I'm doing great, Gene. Thanks for asking. I'm here on a lovely Saturday morning. I've got my Quasar comic book. I've got my notes. I've got a frosty beverage consisting of root beer and vodka in my hot rod Roddy Piper Big Gulp mug. I'm ready to go. So no bubble gums allowed near that cup. No, no, certainly <laughs> not. All right, and believe it or not, Jeff, we actually have a couple iTunes reviews. What? One from your your buddy and mine, the Juggernaut. It's actually <laughs> the Juggernaut 2015 gave us a five star review. Good old K Marco finally got yes. on iTunes. Good for him. Good for him. It says a hidden gem. These guys are hysterical. Well, only when we make Uranus references. Right. The truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> And the next one is from Aaron Moss, who was just on Comic Book Fight Club with us. And did a great job. He's wise as ever, except for his unnatural love for Task Force X. <laughs> uh, he also gave us a five-star review. says, Quasar was one of the great books of the late 80s, early 90s. Well, it's true. He, he's an intelligent man, obviously. obviously. It's great hearing Jeff and Gene talk about the book and getting their insight to the character and his stories. Also loving the comic book Fight Club. It's a great podcast, and I would recommend it to anyone. Well, yeah, recommend this to anyone, not Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, two five-star reviews. If you would like to be as cool as those guys, you can go onto iTunes and look up the Quantum Cast and leave us a five-star review. I wouldn't. Maybe would I. And that would be the peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you do a live podcast, no folks? No kidding. People just wandering <laughs> off the street. What are you guys doing in here? <laughs> Can I have some frosty beverage? Now, we also have an email. I'd love a frosty beverage. In the fridge. Help right. yourself. Uh, I'm not going to stop. We're just going to keep on going yeah. and let them mutter over top of us. <laughs> the, 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 the fans of this show don't expect professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> if they did, they wouldn't be listening. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously don't have better things to do. Speaking of someone without something better to do, we have an email from Jason Trenner. Oh my god, that thing was like three pages long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, we are going to be cherry-picking a few uh, good points from this. The first part of the email goes on about how he rattled off everything from Avengers West Coast 97 from memory, and here are a few other things from memory just to prove that he is nerdier than we are. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Then he goes into uh, this, on to the issue. I do find it a good point that given how many of the Marvel heroes and villains live in the New York in New York City, that at least the Human Torch of the FF would clash more often with Spider-Man's foes and such. Yeah, you would think. 
Kind of like what happened in Eric Larson's Revenge of the Sinister Six storyline, where he had all kinds of Marvel heroes like the FF, Nova, Sleepwalker, the second Deathlock, Ghost Rider, and even the Hulk fight them. Which makes sense. You have a gathering of six of Spider-Man's <clears throat> villains, they're going to attract some kind of attention. Right. Right, and, you know, you can't always fall back on the excuse like, oh, we called for Freedom Plaza, but Reed Richards is off-planet right now, which happens more times than you can count. Right. Easy, easy explanation. Yeah, go ahead. Different boroughs. People from Queens don't want to go to the Bronx. Oh, you don't mean People like People from the Bronx. <laughs> no, not those boroughs. Okay. Not like the name-name. Right, they're not... No. no, or like they're not but, digging you know, in the ground. They're burrowing. Say uh, Spider-Man is in Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. I'm and uh, he's fighting Doc Ock and, uh, I don't know, say the Fantastic Four in Manhattan. Mm. They're like, fuck Brooklyn. I don't go to Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, am I right? No, you're right. You're right. Because we have all driven through the <laughs> city, quote unquote. <laughs> And which right. part of the state? Nobody wants to go to Queens. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> where should I go to find my bride? I just, yeah, I just friggin' insulted half of my family that lives in Queens, but uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, that was it. No, that reference. Yeah, but then, coming to America reference. But then let's. Well, yeah, but let's let's go even further. All right. I'm, okay, I'm with you. All by right. the way, by the way, the voice that you're hearing is of Mr. Frank Zappavina, who is an expert on nothing. Yes, and I do it well. Um, okay, so let's take Queens. All right, you got a superhero that's in Flushing. Right. Flushing and he's Queens. fighting Sounds a like bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, 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 Flushing? Yes. Was he in the bathroom? Yes. Okay. Yes, big toilet. Uh, cesspool of nonsense. Um, so, you got flushing, people are fighting, doing whatever. You got another superhero in Jamaica, Queens. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go all the way across town to flushing. That's just stupid. Have right. you tried to It'll drive that? But have you tried to take the subway? <laughs> right. And you know, okay, so let's do a little Marvel versus DC thing. Because in Marvel, most of your superheroes, their power sets are a little bit scaled down. Mm. Very few people can actually fly. So when you, like, Spider-Man, the quintessential New York superhero... He's got a web his way there. Well, what are you going to do? Just swing from lamppost well, to lamppost? No, no, there's plenty of construction going on in New York City. And, well, they, and they all every, move the tower cranes well, in line exactly. so you can swing from one end to the other. That's right, because that was the best Spider-Man no, movie. Did, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. How come every time Spider-Man Spider swings, he has to open up his legs and show his crotch? He can't swing like a normal person with Thank his Thank you, Todd McFarlane. You, you, his <laughs> balls have to be swinging in your face every time he's... You need something for the ladies. I don't think Spider-Man's balls would do it. Although... I don't know. <laughs> he's reconsidering, folks. Yeah, he kind of would be. I don't know. Hanging from the ceiling, kind of webbing it out. Well, right. no, that's disgusting. I mean, like, one of the big fantasies that women have is the whole upside-down Spider-Man kiss thing. So, I mean, that's not too different from the uh, Spider-Man balls on your face. Uh, I think that's more of a... Guy. Boy, did this episode go off <laughs> the rails real look, quick. if Spider-Man's balls were in your face, I don't think you'd be worried about being upside-down. Probably true. And, and really, if you're going to go for that angle, really, you should just have, like, Thor have his balls in someone's face. That's really better. Look, if I want anybody's balls in my face, it's Sigourney Weaver, because she's a badass chick. Who's not balls? <laughs> you sure about that? Have she you can seen kick my ass. <laughs> She'll be able to kick my ass. Anyway, back to Jason's email. <laughs> now, the last episode... We were, yeah, no kidding. Uh, we were talking about why the Avengers moved the mansion to Hydra Base. Right. Well, he has an explanation. It says, why the Avengers moved to Hydra Base is simple. Okay. The U.S. government was being a pain in their backside and wouldn't let them launch Quinjets in New York City. So they moved them offshore to Hydra Base to launch them. They had a tunnel and such going between the mansion and Avengers Island for quick transportation. Is this an FAA thing? I think it was a Henry Peter Gyrick, I'm going to be a bastard thing. Alright, <laughs> yeah. Then Zemo and the fourth Masters of Evil wrecked Avengers Mansion. So they decided to move their base out there. To, you know, when they had to rebuild anyway. Alright, fair enough. The issue you referred to having Captain America have the Avengers be one team with various members picked to the mission is basically what Justice League Unlimited did, which was a great cartoon series. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's a pity that Burns' idea for that didn't stick in the books. In other words, we don't need 
20 Avengers titles coming out every month. Like they have now. <laughs> yes. Uh, now we got to Absorbing Man versus Quasar. Oh, good. In other words, the actual issue. <laughs> right, exactly. And luckily we didn't do much show prep, so uh, you keep on going. <laughs> I remember hearing about Absorbing Man versus the Grey Hulk on the late Pad Smash show, which unfortunately I never got to listen to. But hmm. that was, uh, it was, and I'm blanking on the people involved. I know it was David Wilt Leader. Chamberlain. <laughs> Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> the Harlem Globetrotters. Right. And we just got to a 70s variety show. And Roger Rabbit, <laughs> this time on The Gong Show. <laughs> no? Keep going. Uh, and it actually seems that the current ratio for real time to comic time is four years real time. equals one year comic time. Uh, I believe he was talking about current as in when these issues came out, so 89.9. All right, good. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because I've got a note when we get all the way to page four in the comics. So okay. keep going. Uh, so basically the Absorbing Man took about three months, give or take, to put himself back together. Uh, remember when the Hulk threw him into... Oh, I remember. Yeah. Uh, so basically he was Mud Man for about three months. <laughs> now, not sure why Quasar would have his civilian clothes in a high-tech locker. Well, neither are we. But surprisingly, those seem to be things metahumans can get, as Boomerang has one of those as well. And it got raided for weapons by a future version of himself. <laughs> well, Boomerang isn't exactly top-tier villain. Yeah, seriously. We shouldn't be taking our cues from Boomerang. Right, DC or Marvel. <laughs> Though seriously, wasn't using his office or his dad's home better than a locker that screams super being storage? <laughs> It's true. It, it's true. That's why we made that reference in the last uh, Quantum Cast. Seriously, Master of Vengeance used a bus station locker to store his spare costume and gear. He's a D-lister Spider-Man foe, as I'm sure you both went, Who's that guy? Well, <laughs> yeah, I did. Who was it again? Master of Vengeance. Yeah, I don't know about this. I know Spirit of Vengeance. I don't know Master of Vengeance. One fun thing about S.H.I.E.L.D. Their intranet is protected by, I believe, nothing. I mean, Night, Night Thrasher used it when they folded to get profiles of people he wanted to recruit for the new Warriors. And Zodiac, a single person, not a team this time, used the fact that he had, had a crashed helicarrier that still had the intranet, and that Hammer just used shields to make them think Galactus showed up to attack the Earth, and it was just the Red Ronin anti-Godzilla mech. Is that how it's written? That's how it's written. It's, all right, so yes. it's it's not, it's just the sentence structure yeah. is difficult. Well, you know, Night Thrasher, if I recall correctly, has a bachelor's in computer engineering from MIT, and that, of course, makes him qualified to break into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s computer systems. Well, yeah. As <laughs> per Marvelous, Marvel Circle, circa 1990. All right, and he says he thinks that the 80s breakup of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the delight affair. Wasn't she a singer? I thought she was a porn actress. Huh. Basically, the LMDs trying to take over the world or something. Oh, nice. Doesn't that happen like every other Wednesday? Every every other Wednesday. I mean, that's that's the go-to storyline. Uh, and he concludes with how Quasar dealt with the Absorbing Man was cool and loved that Captain America told Quasar that Crusher Creel was, has come back from some crazy stuff so that he might not be dead. Remember, Cap was consoling, oh yeah, you might have killed a guy, but don't worry about it, he'll be fine. Right, right, and mm -hmm. if we were playing the Marvel superheroes role-playing game, that wouldn't be a total loss of your karma pool, you'd only lose 50 points, because it was a, quote, mysterious death, yes. unquote, as per that rule set. Now, on to the issue that we're going to be covering tonight. Oh, yes, good. We have some pre-back. Pre-back. <laughs> Baby's got pre-back. I don't know. I've never seen a picture. <laughs> I think it's best for everyone. Uh, says, uh, and next issue will be kind of important in that the living laser ends up shooting himself across the multiverse, and Quasar later has to go find him and gather him up. Wait, when is this? In this issue. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and amuses, it says he, uh, he's amused that Venom won't be the only thing of the original Secret Wars that Quasar will have to deal with. Seriously. Did the Beyonder make sure everything that the heroes could use when it got to Earth would be lethal? You'll see what I mean sooner or later. Okay. Well, 
Thank you very much for that feedback, Jason. Yeah, I, I love it when you guys send in emails. I roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back with Quasar number six. I need another drink. Okay, I'm going to do the promo now. Really? Finally. Okay, let's do the promo. What do you mean, let's do the promo? I'm the one who has to do it. Well, get on with it then. Okay, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, the Mighty Thor, the Captain America. Wow, being dramatic there, aren't we? Do, do you think it's too much? Should I back off? No, 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 you're fine. You, you're good. Okay. You've seen the Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers franchise of films. Now you can enjoy the stories that have inspired those films through the magic of comic podcasting magic of podcasting? You sure about that one? Well, yeah, because, you know, we're awesome. Like, magic. Only without actually seeing any magical things. Just go with it, go with it, go with it. Okay. Don't forget to tell them what we're actually doing on the show. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So join Lily Wilson, the awesomest teenage comics fan in the world, mm-hmm. as her father takes her through all the early comics that feature characters from the Avengers franchise of films. And some that aren't in those films yet, but will be. Because we started with the anime before we had a full film. Oh, well, yeah. And don't forget Spider-Man. Sounds like the Avenger, but he's there. Oh, okay. So um, maybe it should be that feature characters that have been, are currently, or will one day be in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Better. And where should they go not see this magical podcasty goodness? New episodes can be found... <coughs> do I have to do the voice? Yes, you do. Okay, okay. New episodes can be found at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com, and clicking under the Podcasts tab. Or on iTunes by searching Complete Marvel Reading Order, or just search for the name of the show itself. Um, Dad? Don't you think we should actually say the name of our show? Oh. Yeah! Avengers! Inspirations! Podcast! Listen and stuff. Yeah, good job, Dad. Thank you! Sawate. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the backroll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. There's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe American hero. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. He never gives up. He's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe American hero. G.I. Joe is there. Attention, Joes. This is General Hawk. I have an important mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. 
It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, Codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, will be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to G.I. Joe.HeadSpeaks.com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismissed. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is a proud member of the headcast family. The world never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. And we're back. And this time out, we have Quasar issue number six, uh, cover date of January 1990. Yes, we are entering the 90s. The on-sale date, however, was November 14th, 1989. Thank you to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for that information. Uh, story by Mark Gruenwald, pencils by Paul Ryan, inks by Danny Bolinati, letters by Janice Chiang, colors by Paul Beckton. Editors Howard Mackey and the editor in chief is Tom DePalco. And notice he's not the Eon in chief this time. Yes, I, he's dropped doing that for whatever reason. It's too bad. On the cover, we have Quasar on the moon fighting the living laser while the Red Ghost, who is partially phased through a rock, waits to shoot our hero in the back. In the background, we see the Watcher watching. There's also an inset picture of Venom. The text reads Acts of Vengeance. Mayhem on the Moon, featuring The Watcher, Living Laser, The Red Ghost, and, oh yes, Venom. So, what do we think about this cover? Well, when I look at it, I think that Quasar's finally starting to become more cosmic as he's been billed all along, but mm -hmm. you notice that the first couple of, well, not issue one or issue two, but the other ones are strictly happening, you know, in New York or the outer boroughs. Or South Jersey. Mm -hmm. Or South Jersey. Observing <laughs> right, right, South Jersey, where there is the... Adamantium manufacturing plants. Correct, correct. <laughs> so I look at this cover, and it's kind of busy. There's a lot of things going on. I see the Watcher. I'm like, ooh, what's the Watcher doing here? I notice that the subtitle for this issue is Mayhem on the Moon, but on the inside page, the subtitle is Flies in a Cathedral. So we're noting that we're having a lot of different... They're changing the names yeah. on these issues. It's not always the same. Why, why does every issue need to have two titles to it? And it, they're not even like they're clever titles, like in the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. You know, it's just uh, you know, it's just marketing titles. Um, anyway, it's a busy cover. There's a lot of things going on, but started to do a little cosmic. And of course, when I let's see, this came out in 1989. Yes. So I would have been 14 and a half, plus or minus. Well, uh, you you were almost 15 because it came out in November of 89. Okay, so I'm almost 15 and I see Venom on the front cover and I think, oh my god, Venom! Because Venom was the coolest thing since sliced bread in the Marvel mm -hmm. Universe in 1989-1990 time frame. And it also it's... killed a lot of people in like the Congos when they got bit by spiders and nobody was there to help them. Just throwing it I'm just going to let that land there for a minute and let you feel bad about it. You feel bad? Yeah, kind of sad. All right, okay? Yeah. All right. So you'll think before you speak next time? Always think. Okay, good. So, I'm just teasing. I love you. I love me, too. I love you. Also I love note you. that this Venom is not the I have a 20-foot tongue Venom. So right. Tom McFarlane hadn't got a hold of him yet. Right, it's a very Cheshire cat around the world weep. Right, and he's... It's Venom, so you're thinking, oh, cool, Venom, you know, yeah. Acts of Vengeance, Venom versus Quasar, because, you know, I love Venom as a bad guy, and Quasar, who the fuck's Quasar? But, <laughs> all right, it's going to get me to buy the Quasar magazine for the first time. And then we get into it, and we find out, spoiler alert, that he's only on the first two pages, and he's captured. <laughs> he's captured on the first page, and the first page isn't like six panels. It's one, it's a one-page panel. Yeah, so... The second page is six panels, so Venom appears in a total of seven panels in this issue. Right, so it's a shameless marketing grab. Exactly. Like, to get people that don't know Quasar into the book, all right, whatever. It's, you know, they got to market too. But speaking of marketing. Yes. I, I just want to let you know how excited 
and then disgusted <laughs> I am with the video game that's on this left side here. Because again, it's the same shameless marketing. We're going to take a property that everyone likes. In this case, it's the Konami Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle handheld game. Dude, I totally remember that. <laughs> Sucked ass, right? You're like, oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and video games, things I love. But it's the it's this thing was one step up from a um, from a Nickelodeon dime store arcade game of the the, the 20s. You know? <laughs> Hand cranked, you know. Yeah. And you look at this thing and it's I don't know if you kids remember this, but the video game, the handheld video games of the old, you know, it was one game per thing. So you couldn't interchange cartridges or discs or anything like that. And it was essentially, you'd move the guy left or right to dodge shit <laughs> as it came at you. And it might as well just been a hand crank, you know, uh, rolling thing. And so, I always, every time you did a move, it was blip, blip. <laughs> it had the blip. one sound. <laughs> it had the one sound. So... Greatest sound you've ever heard in your life. So it's disappointing. It's disappointing. You know, yeah. you, you, it's like the Venom appearance where, oh, I'm all excited. This is going to be cool. I get it. And it's just like a pile of muh in your hands. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is this comic book is teaching us that the world is full of disappointment. Correct. That's I exactly right. It. It's a life lesson. I have learned a lesson today, and <laughs> I am sad. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, on the other hand, when you think about it, Quasar is teaching us a valuable life lesson, so kudos to them. Yes, and you know what else he's teaching us? What is that? That Spider-Man's a hack. <laughs> because Quasar just took seven panels yeah. to deal with an escaped Venom where Spider-Man needs at least seven issues. That's true. It's a year's worth of a story arc in Spider-Man to capture Venom because he's such a bad guy. And what does Quasar do? He says, hey, those webs are nice, eye roll. And then he just creates a quantum web. Quantum bands creates the web construct and hauls him back to the vault. Hauls him back to the vault and Venom is, is taken care of. No muss, no fuss. It's pretty simple. Yeah. It's really when you think about it. I mean, I don't know why Spider Man is the poster child for, for Marvel. Birth control. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was I reading the same thing you were? No. Balls in my face? Well. If you uh. got balls in your face, you want birth control. If it works that way. I'm not sure. Sometimes, maybe. I, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost in the sea of my own despair right now. We just have a few minutes of silence. I, yeah. like, I want this to land, too. Make me feel better. Hold me. All right. Put your balls in my face. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Later that morning, mm -hmm. at Four Freedoms Plaza, Wendell Vaughn arrives at work, yep. banters with Kayla, and actually tries to get some work done for a change. Yeah, seriously. He finally lands that stupid contract, you know, with How? <laughs> because of nepotism. He has his buddy, for his old army buddy from his oh, shield days, yeah, right. is working there, and, oh, use my buddy. Yeah, you use my buddy, even though he ran out on you in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> in the middle my first interview, right? Oh, excuse me, I, I, oh, I had tacos that were bad, and I've got to go. Mm -hmm. He has a brief conversation with Eon, in which uh, Wendell makes excuses about needing to get some work done, and then... Peggy Carter calls with another vault escapee. Right, because Quasar apparently is the only Avenger that can fucking do anything. Like, he's the grunt Avenger. Like, Captain America's too important. He's in Washington, according to this. And they can't get a hold of Thor or Iron Man or anybody else on the phone. But Quasar's the one who's sitting right there listening to it. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, you know, when they call, they don't call the Identicards. The, the uh, Avengers Identicards. They actually yeah. show up on his wristbands. Which, as we know, cannot be removed. Right. So, of course, he's going to pick up because he can't not... And he can't say, I'm away. Right, he can't <laughs> say away. The only thing he could, you know, we're going to have to make up an excuse that he's busy, and of course he can't. Now, the person who's calling him is Peggy Carter. Yes. Now, keep in mind, listeners, that the Peggy Carter that you are thinking of, Haley Atwell, was created, that character, that version of the character was created for Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay. Prior to that, she was not the super spy love interest of the 1940s. She did help Cap out early on mm -hmm. as a secret agent, and she was kind of attracted to him. But she well, was who wouldn't be really? Attracted. Yeah, but balls in your face. But hell she, yeah, she wasn't main player that you get from She's the Marvel movies. She was involved, but uh -huh. she wasn't like 
she has to be in every issue or anything like just that. She's just a player. Sure. Yeah. All right, because, you know, when I read this, again, for this podcast, I hadn't read it since 1989-1990 time frame, and I recognized the name, and mm. I said... So I remember that I remember this character, but right. I didn't put two and two together. I'm thinking, okay, so she's drawn a little bit older right. in the comics, but let's say she was 25 in 1945. Right. It's now 1990. She'd be 70. Right. She don't look 70. No, she does. She looks like maybe 60 at, at most. most. I would say early 50s. You right. know, so. I was a little bit confused, and then I remember the character, you know, being, you know, the communications person, you know, one of the one of the red shirts, or in this case, blue shirts that right. wandered around Avengers Mansion, Avengers Hydra Base, and so I'm thinking to myself, if she was the love of Steve Rogers, aka Captain America's life in 1945, and now you're little better than a chambermaid <laughs> wandering around Avengers Mansion 45 <laughs> years later, what happened? And why why are there no stink eyes? <laughs> Especially when Cap is, I think at this time, currently dating her niece, Sharon. Sharon Carter, who Agent is Agent thirteen a love interest, which is a, a very good storyline. So um okay, so that explains it. And right. of course, you know, from our email we found out that it's a one to five ratio as far as real world years versus comic book years. Isn't that what he said? Yes. Okay. So, if 45 years had passed in real time, you know, we're talking about nine years had passed in comic book time, and that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now, she calls Wendell, and he basically says, hey, I'm working, can't do it. However, the very next page, he's, you know, praying for guidance. <laughs> right, because, yeah, he's, he's, he sits at his desk very pensive, he yeah. puts his hands together as if he were praying, he furrows his brow. And I think he's remembering Avengers number seven. I'm sure he is. How could he not? Because Iron Man had, at the beginning of that issue, gotten suspended for refusing to take an Avengers call. Oh, okay. So Captain America can be in Washington and not pick up, not get suspended, but everyone else, if you don't take the fucking call, you're out? Uh, Basically, yeah. (laughs) Even though it's his fucking house? Finally, the guilt gets to him. He must be Catholic. (laughs) <laughs> and he blows off work to go after Claw, Master of Sound. Ooh, so now what are we going to get? We're going to get the typical old hat, lazy and derivative. Oh, I can create constructs out of light. Oh, well, I can create constructs out of sound. Let's have a battle where we shoot boxing gloves. <laughs> Quasar finds Claw in St. Louis, trying to break into the Wakanda Exports building using a solid sound wrecking ball. Which, in this case, that is, is totally red operation for advertisement. I'm sorry, uh, our, our good friend Frank has a comment on one of the... That was the greatest game that ever existed back in the day. So on page 7, there's a full-page advertisement for the NES, where we're talking about Operation Wolf, which, uh, take no prisoners, is the slug line Operation Wolf for your Nintendo Entertainment System. It was a pretty good game. I in the re- arcade, you had the Uzi. Yeah. But no, on the I, NES, it didn't port well, as I recall. Well, no, because you had that stupid friggin' crosshair that the you D-pad? had to, like, yeah. Yeah, the D-pad. The D-pad. You're a D-pad. The D-pad. Yeah, so that's a good game. And, you know, when we look at this, every other page is an ad. Sky Shark for NES. Operation Wolf for NES. Bionic Power for NES. Oh, here are the two douchebag <laughs> yuppies... Pieces of shit doing their head to head to head. Also for the NES, oh, one page, one one spread without an ad, another <laughs> spread without an ad. And oh, back to the NES. Now we go radical action. So we've got Strider and Mega Man Two. Uh, Both great games. Yeah, but now now we switch over and it's it's a full page for TSR. Uh, but it's not Dungeons and Dragons. Nope. Nope. It is Web of Gold game, which. I don't remember. Do you remember? No. So it must have done very well. Yeah. That's called, ooh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out. Let's get on that bandwagon. <laughs> How can we do it? <laughs> he got somebody's balls across its face. It's always with the balls. Ball, well, balls He's fixated. Right. <laughs> it's like that 30 Rock song. Balls, 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 balls. I balls. never watched 30 Rock. Oh, it's like the best show on television. Is it? Well, not on television. Reruns. Reruns. But, you know, if you're Was to make... the guy from that... Uh... What's happening? He used to come in, sit backwards on the chair. He had. He used to wear pants. Wa- that guy? Well, no, the rerun, rerun from the 
from what, that, what's happening. Yeah, there you go. And he used to come in and sit backwards on the chair. And, I don't know. We got suspenders and fuck me. Are you? Are you? Just, are you? Are you confusing? Stop Tra- interrupting me. Are you? Are you confusing Tracy Morgan? No, it wasn't Tracy Morgan. No, I know. Was... You were, are you confusing Tracy Morgan with rerun from what's happening? Because they're black and they all look alike. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Balls in your face. Uh, this went downhill quickly. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, you want a hug? No. Oh, come on, hug it out. Okay. All right. I love you too, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Don't cry on my shoulder. Okay. All right. So uh, back, to, back to the story. But Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock. If, it's on reruns. Fucking watch Thirty Rock. It's hysterical. <laughs> Uh, oh, I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the asshole. I'm in it. I'm in it. I, I'm the yeah, asshole. I, to- yeah. I totally. I, I missed it. It's my fault. Yeah. My, my, my hug back. It's my. I'm, I don't. How do you? How do you return a hug? I do it backwards. It's back like back. Un, it's like unringing a bell. Uh, it's just a little jug of juice. You just hand it back to him. Ah, uh, see what happens. You got it. You got well, it. It's good. Well played. Sir. Well played. Well played. Okay, back to the issue. <laughs> Boy, do we have issues. Quasar, who knows Claw from his Project Pegasus days, quickly bubbles the villain, villain and vacuums out all the air. Yeah, no so air, there's no sound. Spaceballs? So this is really, <laughs> this is really clever because you think you're going to get a Hal Jordan Sinestro esque fight. You know, I'm mm. going to build a, I'm going to make a boxing glove. Well, I'm going to make a pair of scissors. You know, and back and forth. And again, in one, two, three, four, five, six panels, Quasar, boom, chigawa. You got candy. And creates a vacuum. They explain the, sci- the science behind it, where sound cannot exist without a medium for it to transfer. Since he's in a vacuum, he's going to get sucked up into his little claw device. And for those of you that don't understand this, claw is living sound, just like Wonder Man is ionic radiation, just like the living laser. <gasps> Did I mention the living Ooh. laser? <laughs> is a construct of that medium. And so, since there's no way, nothing to vibrate, there can no, not be any sound. And uh, he, um, you know, shrivels like the uh, green witch, being having water and he shrinks into his little projector thing. All right. So Quasar starts flying back to the vault when he's attacked by the living laser. Oh, surprise! Surprise! Who severs the quantum bubble and releases Claw? Of course, Claw can't fly, so he starts falling to Earth. As this won't hurt someone who doesn't have a real body, Quasar lets Claw go to deal with the living laser. Mm-hmm. Now, the laser is able to dodge Quasar's force beams. Oh, hey, before yes. we go any further, yeah. um, so remember back on page 9 how he defeats Claw and he turns to the townspeople and he says, uh, yes. Hey, I, uh, relax, folks, I didn't kill him. I just made his sound-generated body collapse into his prosthetic device. The moment he absorbs the slightest bit of sound, he'll regenerate, I promise. Sorry I couldn't be here sooner. So he's being nice. He's not yeah. gloating for attention, but he is... He's just explaining, no, I didn't kill him. Right, because he killed the last fucking guy. <laughs> uh, and there were witnesses this time, so he felt he had to be a sociopath about it and explain. <laughs> well, now all, all these townspeople in the great city of... St. Louis. St. fucking Louis, you assholes. Um, they're like... You know, they tell him to piss off. Yeah, they tell him to piss off. You keep that superhero shit in New York. And it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and okay, so, you know, he, Claw was attacking the Wakanda exports, and he makes mention that he was trying to entice somebody else into battle. So who could that be, Gene? Well, let's see. Wakanda, yeah. uh, that would be the thing. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll give you a second guess. Who do you think it might be? Um, Black Panther. The Black Panther, exactly. So, first of all, what the fuck does Wakanda Exports have an office in St. Louis for? Like, why? They like the arch? I don't like. That just seems ridiculous to me. Have you ever been to St. Louis? No. Do you know anything about St. Louis? I do not. Well, then why not put a fucking evil corporation headquarters there? Because nobody cares about St. They're, Louis. They're not evil. They're not evil. Well, they are evil in my world. Oh. <laughs> We're not talking. This is Earth six one six. Um, which no longer exists. So sad. So sad. I don't even know which corporation it is. Wakanda. Wakanda. Oh. Okay. So Black Panther yes. comes from Wakanda. Yes. Right? He's the king of Wakanda. He's the king yes. of Wakanda. Yes. And they are very business oriented and science oriented. And, but like, 
St. Louis? Really? And so, like, no better. Place I don't want to do business. Real estate. I, I no just, better place to do business. Nobody cares about St. Louis. You do whatever you want. I mean, really, what do they got? The Ark of the Covenant? No, that, <laughs> no, that was in some fucked up balls, place. Balls, that, balls, 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 that was fun. Now, since the living laser can dodge his force beams, Quasar decides to shoot them in all directions at once, which hits the laser, but passes right through him since the living laser is made out of light. Right, and he does his best. Jesus in midair, you know, <laughs> making a giant T. Yes. Right. He, he's apparently been a gymnast at some point. He's <laughs> doing the Iron Cross <laughs> in midair. Now, realizing this, Quasar starts to absorb the villain into his quantum bands because he's light. He can manipulate light. Right, and we have not seen him absorbing energy to this date in the comics, correct? Not he, not in the Quasar series. Back in Marvel 2 and 1, he would do it. Right, okay, so we're defining yes. and creating his energy set, and we're finding out that he can absorb and manipulate light to a greater extent than just the constructs. Right. Okay. Before he's done, however, the laser shoots straight up. Now, Quasar goes into space and deduces that he must be heading for the moon, since traveling in space without reference will get you lost real quick. Right, and so this is more science-y stuff. I mean, this, I right. mean we've jumped over some things, but... Quasar does a good job of explaining without being too over-explaining the science right. stuff he's doing. They, they actually have him thinking it through. Right. Like you would do, uh, how, how can I find him? Yeah, I can trace him, but which he wouldn't go, you know, he would stay in the plane of the solar system because he wouldn't go out of that because then he would, wouldn't know where he was. So he's thinking all this through, which explains to the reader why he's going to the moon. Right. Right, so rather than just, oh, I want to go to the moon because that's what's on the cover. Right. Um, and yes, I know the covers are generally drawn after the issue is done. Mm. Um, and of course he says he doesn't, Living Laser doesn't have tracking devices, so he would never be able to find his way back. So he's got to stay where relatively close, where he can keep a line of sight to right. come back to the planet. Uh, after a brief quantum jump, Quasar arrives at the famous blue area of the moon, where the laser is. Now, do we want to assume that everyone knows what the blue area of the moon is? Why don't we explain blue area of the moon? All right, so blue area of the moon was created by the Skrulls thousands and thousands of years ago, and it put a group of um, Kree and another alien race that might, uh, just escapes me for the moment. But this was introduced all the way back in one of the earliest Fantastic Four issues, which was actually the origin of the Red Ghost and his stupid, I mean, super apes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was 19... It was 1964 or something like right. that, right? But it's an area of the moon right. that has an atmosphere. Correct. So you, when, if you go there, you can actually breathe normally. Mm -hmm. So we've got the blue area of the moon was an artificial Earth-like environment in the Luther Crater on the moon. Uh, the area was first discovered by the Fantastic Four. They discovered the area uh, contained the ruins of an alien city and the citadel of Watu, the Watcher. Now, I don't know why Watu's citadel is in that same area. It seems like he wouldn't care if there was an Earth-like atmosphere, because he don't need it. Comics. And, okay. Yeah, and, and you figure, like, the scrolls. I mean, he was there before the scrolls were there, right? So the, it says the blue area of the moon was created by the Skrulls one million years ago, so more than a couple thousand, my bad, uh, as a testing site for the Kutati, which is a uh, plant race, correct? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I could click the link, but I'm going to see how smart I am. And the Kree, which I already knew. And those two races were left in the blue area to see what they could accomplish. The Kree built a blue city uh, that fills most of the blue area, while the Kutati created a complex but subtle ecosystem. When the Skrulls judged the Kotati's achievement greater, the Kree rebelled and killed the Skrulls and the Kotati. They took the Skrulls' starship and abandoned the area. The Blue Area was rarely visited over the millennia that followed, which makes sense. Right. All right? Till 1963, 
when Marvel Comics made created, it up. <laughs> right, exactly. Where, you know, all it was just the, the big bang of superheroes, you know, right. where all of your famous ones come into being that are, you know, worth anything. Yes. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. There are more Marvel superheroes that are, that are valuable. I mean the DC that are valuable. Fantastic Four, like you said, Red Ghost, so on and so forth. It was also where the X-Men battled the uh, Shi'ar Imperial Guard to fight for the rights of Jean Grey as the Phoenix. As well as fighting for the right to party. I was waiting for that. Yeah, somebody had to say it. <laughs> Kotati, yep, I was right. Um, and I think Groot is a somehow related to the Kotati. Oh, they retconned him back into into that? Uh, it's not on here, but I okay. seem to remember that. I mean, I remember reading a Silver Surfer comic from that time period, which went into the Katati race, and okay. there was a whole thing with Mantis, and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. doesn't matter. I could, I could uh, Wikipedia it, but uh, I don't so care. So can our listeners, if yeah. they are interested. I don't care enough to. <laughs> All right. Seeing Quasar first, the laser tries to escape and enters the home of the Watcher. Who's at home and watching the events of Giant Size X-Men number one for some reason? Also there, on a mission of his own, is the Red Ghost, who's after the Watcher's alien artifact. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. Oh, you didn't? No, but on a screen, that's exactly what he's looking at. It's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Some of us do show prep around here. (laughs) (laughs) I got notes. I got like a page and a half of notes. Ghost spots the laser and hopes that the Watcher won't be alerted to his presence because the laser blundered in. Meanwhile, as if the scene wasn't crowded enough, Quasar shows up on the front door. Right. And... When, here's, it's a nitpicky thing, but comics from most eras, and especially the earlier you go, they think as if they're talking to somebody, explaining every one of their moves. Right. And I don't like that. I'd rather have them, like, I understand you've got to explain a little bit to the reader, but don't make it a thought bubble. Make it one of the boxes. Make it an edit. And the narrator telling you, hey, this is what's going on. Right, rather than... than meanwhile. Meanwhile, I'm going to walk to the door. There's the thought bubble. I'm going to yeah. walk to the door. I'm going to turn the doorknob. I'm going to go inside. Then I'm going to shut the door behind me. What do you need all that <laughs> for? And then the other thing I want to make note of here is uh, the living laser... Or excuse me, no, um, uh, what's his name? The red, red ghost, ghost here uses the word omniscient like eight times to describe the Watcher. And hoping the omniscient watcher doesn't know that he's skulking around in his palace. He's not all that omniscient if he doesn't know right. that the Red Skull is well, in his I, living room. I think it's... Or Red, uh, red Ghost. I think me. it's it's more of... And this goes back to the title, Flies in the Cathedral. Well, one fly in the cathedral, you may just ignore it. Twenty flies, you're going to get out the swatter. Well, that's clever. Wow, that is clever. Another reason to love Quasar. Hmm. So, where was I? Uh, Right. Quasar gets a quick info dump from Eon on who Owatu is and how he doesn't like visitors. Still, Quasar needs to find the laser and decides to knock before entering. The door opens for him. Such a fucking goody two-shoes. Knock, knock, knock. Um, Mr. Watcher, sir, would you like to buy some cookies? Yeah, I like how before he knocks, he's thinking to himself that he hasn't, he hates unfinished business, even though he just let Claw drop back to the earth and ignored it. I know, what is Claw <laughs> fucking doing now? He went back to Wakanda Exports and started knocking the building down again. <laughs> exactly. Well, probably not to save, because, you know, he probably went to a different Wakanda Exports, you know? Yeah, because Claw's that bright. Right, you know, well, maybe, you know, you know, maybe to St. Louis, maybe he goes to one in East Bumblefuck, you know, Wisconsin. <laughs> He went to the outlet store. Aren't they in the same place? <laughs> St. Louis and Wisconsin? No. East Bumblefuck. Yeah. Say, yeah. Weren't you just extolling the virtues of St. Louis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just making sure we're all on the same page here. Which is page 19. Yes. <laughs> uh, the door opens for him, and Quasar realizes that the structure must be a tesseract, since it's bigger on the inside than the outside, but doesn't look like a police box. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> yep, go ahead. It just so happens that the laser flies by at that moment, and Quasar chases him. Amazing! Right into the Watcher's living room, where he is now watching the events of X-Men number 95. I didn't recognize that. That's where uh, Thunderbird is killed in the plane crash. That's Banshee flying behind the jet. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I knew I should recognize it, but I didn't. It wasn't... It was... It was firmly in the Avengers camp in uh, high school. Well, I I recently read through a mess of X-Men comics, mm-hmm. so it just happened to jump out at me. I was, oh, that's what that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. 
I mean, in my adulthood, I read both X-Men and Avengers, but mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I didn't have enough money to buy both. Right, yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so he chased him right into the Watcher's living room where he's watching X-Men number 95. The laser sees this and thinks, that's not a TV, but a portal to another world. And what if he went through it? What if, indeed, Gene? They actually, that's the only text in that panel is, what if? I love the what if comics. Oh, I love them too. It's my favorite. It's, I, I, I prefer the ones yeah. that it's several years after the event of the what if. And then, yes, okay. Because once you get closer to what if the thing we just published last Tuesday was different. Right. Well, we don't know what's happening now. Mm-hmm. So how, how is it going to be any great difference? I understand. Um, have you ever read Exiles? I have not. No. I have the entire run. I'll let you borrow it. It okay. is wonderful. The entire thing is a what if storyline. So it's kind cool. of quantum leapy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're set. They're jumping into different alternative realities to set right what once went wrong. Interesting. Um, but they pull different X Men characters from different realities. So the leader is Blink from the Apocalypse. Uh, oh, the Apocalypse. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, co-leader, quote unquote, <laughs> is Mimic, who is one of his world's greatest heroes versus a uh, a nobody semi-villain in Earth-616. Interesting. Thunderbolt, who did not die, but became a um, a, po- a horseman of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the original lineup. Um, Magnus, who is Rogue and Magneto's son. Okay. Uh, let's is see. that also from Age of Apocalypse? No. No? Different timeline. Okay. Blink. No, I said Blink. Um, yeah. Uh, what's her name? The uh, Nightcrawler and the Scarlet Witch's kid uh, from another alternate dimension. Uh, named um, Talia, and I don't know what her superhero name is. Like her real name is Talia. Okay. I mean, real yeah, in the comics. Yeah, you know, like Steve Rogers. Her, her secret identity right. is uh, Talia. Um, and um, those, I think, those are the core. Oh, and uh, Morph. Oh, okay. Morph, um, who is on his planet one of the greatest heroes of all time. He's an Avenger. He's also. Um, mm-hmm. uh, an X-Men, blasey, blasey, blasey. Now, here's the cool thing. They jump through all the different realities, which is cool. But when one of them dies, they replace them. With a, a different character? A different reality, yeah. So, okay. it, it's the, the lineup constantly changes. There's some other spoiler things I could give away, but let's say there's a counterpart team that is less adverse to killing. Okay. And they keep cha- they change. So Every week, there's a different member of that team. Right. Um... It's a great read. It's a great, great read, and I highly recommend yeah, it. I'll have to borrow that from yeah, you sometime. No problem. All right, so the laser dives through the mo- the uh, Watcher's monitoring device and disappears, ruining the reception, which t- ticks the Watcher off enough that he instantly teleports Quasar out of his house. Hmm. Also teleported out was the Red Ghost, who attacks Quasar with a laser pistol. Because that'll work. Yes, well, Quasar deflects the beam... But you can't find any way to defeat the ghost because of the Russians' intangibility. And he specifically says that the least I can do is run uh, through the electromagnetic spectrum and see if any of it keeps him from advancing. I'll start with low with low frequency uh, radio waves, add my special binding force to give my energy manifestation solid- solidity, and work my way up to cosmic rays. So we're defining that it's not just light. Right. He can control the frequency and wavelength and everything. The entire electromagnetic spectrum. And what's interesting is on the letters page of this issue, there's a a, a fairly lengthy letter that I don't know who the guy is, but he he goes into how he likes how if there's science to be applied in comics, it's accurate. Now, while superpowers don't really exist, if you're going to be doing something with the electromagnetic spectrum, and apparently Mark Gruenwald, the writer, was brushing up on a lot of science when he was writing Quasar, so he could tell you all these things and be fairly accurate in it, mm. which I I appreciate being a science nerd myself. I did. I, too. I, too. It was, um, it was great. Now, eventually... That's go- why he pantomimes the whole comic. Pants o' mine? Pantomime. Oh, that's completely different. Well, that's what I'm saying. You were talking about how he pantomimes the whole thing. I'm going to go to the door. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to walk through the door. I'm going to... That's why he's pantomiming the entire comic right now. Okay, when you pantomime something, you 
explain exactly how everything works. Actually, okay. pantomime is acted out without speaking. But it's still... It's uh, a mime. is a panto-mime. But it's the... He's a mime that's out of breath. It's the it's showing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. It's showing exactly what you're doing from step to right. step to step to step. So in a way, he is pantomiming you through all the steps so you get an understanding. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Mm, me good, neither. Good point. Page 27? <laughs> Actually, page 25. Oh. Eventually, the ghost puts Quasar in a chokehold by making his arms tangible, which Quasar gets out of by irradiating his arms with infrared energy. So he heats him up, and burns, he heats him up burns him. Hmm. However, and this is not a power I knew the ghost had, anything he touches, he can now make intangible, which, I, whatever, okay. I remember reading this page and being a little bit shocked because yeah. it's like, oh my god, Quasar all of a sudden grabs his his throat because he's choking because he can't breathe. Right. Because he made you know, the ghost thought bubbles tell us that he made the quantum bands intangible. intangible. And he slowly drifts because low gravity yep. to the ground and is down. Right. And yep. I'm thinking before I turn the page, I mean, this is good. They didn't spoil it by having the resolution on the very next page. Right. Uh, you have to turn it, but you're like, oh my God, did he die? Mm hmm. And the ghost oh, thinks he is dead. Right. And he goes to try taking quantum bands off. Oh, I can't do it. Maybe if I get partially solid, I can do it. Still can't do it. And Quasar, who is not dead, creates four quantum fists and knocks out the the ghost. So he's for the for once he's not actually dead. Right. Right. <laughs> he hasn't died yet. 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 Right. <laughs> but he what he did is he felt something going on knew that he could still mentally control his quantum bands, and just changed his energy aura to be invisible. Right. Which is extremely clever. Yes. And he didn't realize that the bands could not be affected. Like, he didn't realize that if the bands went intangible... They wouldn't would... just fall off. Right. So he's starting to realize that, oh, they can't come off, and even if they are intangible, I can still control them. And then, of course, at the end panel, he's like, oh, I forgot I'm running low on air sharing it with the ghost like I did, I better move back to Earth. This took me out a little bit because the quantum bands, one of their core design capabilities mm -hmm. is to have you be able to survive in deep space. But he doesn't... He doesn't know that he yet. Hasn't, he hasn't made that connection right. yet. He still thinks he needs an atmosphere. So he dips quick into the blue area of the moon mm -hmm. and picks up some air and goes back to Earth, basically giving the finger to the watcher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, on the... Stellargram's page, as I mentioned, there's a nice long letter about a gentleman who likes science in, in his comics. And there's another little science factoid, this stuff all about the moon. Mm -hmm. And what I found really fascinating about this is they drew on the left-hand side the Earth, on the right-hand side the moon in the corners, to scale, to, and the distance scale. So if you look at the Earth, the little blue dot, is the Earth, and the very little white dot in the upper right is the Moon. And they say in here, the Earth and Moon in the upper left and right corners are drawn to their correct size and distance. So you know how far away the Moon is relative to the Earth and how big it is relative to the Earth. Mm -hmm. Which, they didn't have to do it. It was just cool that they threw it in there. It is cool that they do that because it helps you get an idea. Because you uh, hear on the news every now and then, that a Earth-destroying asteroid, you know, one that mm -hmm. could have created an apocalypse here, passed between the Earth and the Moon. And everyone thinks, oh my God, that's close. Well, now if you look at this, holy shit, you're talking yeah. a, lot of, a lot of space. Oh, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> and then on the last page, we have the uh, typical uh, subscription ad. And the characters we have going across here are Olivia Newton-John, Tim <laughs> Robbins, <laughs> some woman I can't recognize because she's in a mask, <laughs> Tina Turner... Uh, Henry Winkler, Jodie Foster, hey, and Lou, and Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> if you don't get that, listen to the last episode of the Quantum. Uh, hey, uh, sit Quantum. on it, bub. <laughs> yes, because it's the Xmas savings. Yes, Xmas. Ha ha. <laughs> Uncanny Xmas savings. Oh my goodness, Gene. What I want to know is what the fuck happened to Claw. Apparently, he fell to Earth and was never seen again. <laughs> the end. Because who really gives a damn about law? Good night, sweet prince, wherever you are. All right, and that is Quasar issue number six.
Do you guys have any comments on Quasar number six? I've been quiet through this whole thing. I know you have. Nero, how about you? Nope. Nero hasn't shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Rob, what do you think? Good enough. enough. (laughs) (laughs) Keep moving. Is there anything else we want to do for this episode? I think that is plenty, really. Excellent. Since we're getting to an hour. Well, thank you for joining us for the Quantum Cast. Uh, Gene, if they want to have some comments, questions, concerns, where can they contact us? Well, they can join us at our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash quantumbands. Mm-hmm. Or they could email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. And make sure you listen to our Comic Book Fight Club podcast. Yes. It is a hoot. It is a little more saucy than this podcast, but... Um, just as much fun in different ways. Oh, definitely. Yes, I, I would highly recommend that for people that do not easily get offended. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so that's it for us this month. Next time we'll be back with Quasar number seven. See you around. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.